Good morning. Happy Monday to you. It is January 29th, and we are at the beginning of Catholic Schools Week here across the United States. I'm Adam Wright with you on Roadmap to Heaven. And, uh, you know, every day, every day of life, we sit in the school of the Eucharist. And we'll talk a little bit more about that on the show today. But first, let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, happy Monday to you. It has been a great weekend, a great couple of days. Uh, You know, when I left you on Friday, I was telling you that it was High School Decision Day here in my hometown where all the Catholic high schools were going to let the applicants know whether they made it or not. Our son made it to his first choice school. We were incredibly grateful for that and uh, really surprised on Saturday when we were at an event for the school in the incoming class of 2028 where uh, they said to us, you know, you guys did everything we were hoping a family would do and you came to camps, you came to visit days, you came to... Uh, high school information nights. You came to these information nights. You, you, and, and he, you know, they said to us, uh, "We know you didn't do that just with us. You did that everywhere. You were looking for him, and uh, you, you educated yourself. You knew what you were talking about, and that's that's what we want families to do." And we were just thinking, "Well, that's what you're supposed to do, right? You know, we've never done this before. This is our, our first going into high school, and it's amazing to me how much that helped. How much looking into um, all of these things." was a great assistance to us in making that final decision of where he was going to apply and ultimately, um, you know, now that he's accepted, go to high school next year. I mention that because today we're going to be talking about the National Eucharistic Congress and uh, specifically about the tracks for youth and families. And it's one of those things that it's not just that Beth and I went to the presentations or met with the various people we had questions for about the high school, but our son went and experienced too. He went to the things that were for him, and he came out of that with a very solid, yes, this is where I want to apply. Yes, this is where I want to go. Well, let's apply the same principle to our spiritual life, you know. Are we immersing our kids in the faith or are we just immersing ourselves and saying one day I'll, I'll help make that decision for them? I'll tell them to go to mass. I'll tell them to do this. I mean, part of that as a parent is we're going to say, yes, you're going to go to mass. Yes, this is how our family does things. And that's it. Right. Um, but it's also a great aid to us as our in our first role as formators to say, we're going to get you great opportunities to be immersed in this. And so Joel Stepanek from the National Eucharistic Revival is with us today to talk about what will be happening at the Congress for youth and for families in particular, because I think for you and I, for adults, it's a no-brainer. Like, if we go, this is what we're going to do. This is what they have. I've been to conferences before. I've been to events like this on a smaller scale before. I have a reasonable expectation of what to expect. I do not have that expectation uh, of, you know, I didn't until a few days ago when they had a 
webinar for those of us in the media to say this is what to expect for youth and families. So we're grateful for Joel taking the time to be with us today. We also have a homily for our radio listeners on pre-Lent fasting because we are in the preseason of Lent right now. So that's all ahead. Let's go to Mike Roberts for our weather and our saint of the day. Today is the feast day of Saints Sarbelius and Barbet. Born in the first century, they were brother and sister. Sarbelius, also known as Charbel, was a high priest at Edessa in Mesopotamia. He and his sister Barbet were moved to convert to Christianity. This was during the rule of the Roman Emperor Trajan, and when it was discovered that the two had converted to Christianity, they were arrested and condemned. Before their execution, They were both tortured with red-hot irons. They died in the year 101. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. If you watch a lot of our videos here on the Covenant Network YouTube channel, you may notice that things look closer in the studio. We're talking about things being closer today because with every passing day, we are one day closer to the National Eucharistic Congress. It's going to be this summer, July 17th through the 21st in Indianapolis. And in the lead up to this, you know, we can't share this enough. Right here in our listening area, starting in Jefferson City in early July, then into St. Louis, then into Illinois, there's going to be the Eucharistic Pilgrimage leading to the Eucharistic Congress. And, And we've been sharing a lot about the Congress. One question that we've been receiving from those of you that listen, that watch, is what's there going to be for my family? Because I I really don't want to leave my family to go to the Congress, but is there going to be something for them? And I am very excited to have with us today Joel Stepanek, who is the Vice President of Programming and Administration for the National Eucharistic Congress and has been working with the Revival. Uh, Joel, it is so good to have you back with us on Roadmap to Heaven. Hey, Adam, it's good to be with you. Thanks for having me back. Now, just the other day, you actually had a webinar for all of us in the media to share. Here's what's going to be happening at the uh, Congress for Families and Youth. And before I came to uh, the radio here, I worked in parish-based ministry. I was in music ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry. So when I'm sitting there taking my notes... All these bells are going off in a good way, that there are youth impact sessions hosted by the Steubenville Youth Conferences team out at Franciscan University. And having been to and volunteered at a number of Steubenville Youth Conferences, I mean, you want to talk about a good youth conference, they've pretty much written the book on that. But that's not all. There's family impact sessions for families that are like mine that, you know, you may have that teenager that might go to that Steubenville session, um, but you got those little kids too, and you need something for them. And you, you... you want to do something as a family. Plus there's breakouts, there's catechesis of the good shepherd, there's outdoor. Ga- I mean, I don't even know where we start, Joel, but why don't you give us the rundown it, it, for all these families listening who are saying, all right, can I bring my family? And is there going to be stuff to keep the kids engaged? What is there to do? Let's start there. Yeah. So we are excited that the Eucharistic Congress is going to be an event that brings the entire church together. So this is an all ages, all people, all walks of life event. And for families in particular, we want to make sure that this event is accommodating to families, uh, that you're able to bring your kids anywhere and everywhere at the Congress, but that we go one step beyond that. And we actually offer programming with the family in mind, particularly families with children. So let's say you're coming and you have um, you know, a couple of kids, maybe similar ages of my kids. So my kids go, they will be two and a half, um, nine and 10, which is very exciting. 
we would be able to go to the family impact session, the cultivate session in the morning and hear speakers and pray together and have discussions in a way that's geared for our entire family to participate. So it's not a children's session in that, you know, mom and dad are going to go and hear somebody, you know, really talk just to the kids and they'll smile and think, oh, isn't this so wonderful? And it's not a session that is, you know, kid friendly in that you can go and listen to a speaker, but there's nothing really for your kids. It's designed for the entire family to engage and experience all as one family unit. If you have a teenage son or daughter, one parent could take them over to the Awaken Youth Track. Or if you're part of a youth group or your youth group wants to go do something that's going to be life-changing and different this summer, you can bring young people to that Awaken Youth Track and they'll have a morning experience of prayer and worship specifically with a group of teenagers in a way that is really tailored to their current state in life. And what's powerful about both these things, Adam, is that those groups just don't stay there. So there's no silos at the Congress. We have some uh, specializations for sure, but in the evening, we all gather for a revival session where teenagers will be a part of the broad church, families will be a part of the broad church, and we're going to pray and ask God to send revival all together. And that's what I'm particularly excited about. I, I love all of these aspects of it, especially the, this whole um, emphasis on some things. Yeah, you, you might separate. Some of you go here. Some of you go there, but other things were going to come together. I, I was speaking with a friend, Joel, and I have to be honest. I said, I, I'm going to liken this to a cruise ship. If you've ever been on a cruise, you know there is as much to do or as little to do as you'd really like. Now, I hope if you go to the Eucharist of Congress, you're not going to, with the intention of I'm going to do very little. Um, that's not the point of the Eucharist of Congress. But one of the things that struck me that you were just sharing the other day you know, some kids, they do really well getting up in the morning. Other days, it can be quite the challenge. And you say, well, I want to get to morning mass. And, oh, no, today we didn't make it. That's all right. We, we've got afternoon liturgies. There are things that you can go to go pray with your family, um, no matter what the circumstances are. Because anyone with who's ever had toddlers knows you have a plan. A toddler can change that plan in a heartbeat. Um, Joel, one of the things I really wanted to ask about, too, is speaking of toddlers are, you know, I think of the conferences I've been to, and it's a lot of go from point A to point B, sit down in a chair and, and listen to the talk, and whether that content's aimed at me as an adult or aimed at a kid, a high school student, um, there's a lot of get up, go, sit down, listen, get up, go, sit down, listen, have a break. And for kids, that could be really hard to just be glued to a chair all day, every day for, you know, if, if you get the single day pass one day or if you go to the full Congress for multiple days. Um, and you all thought of that, too. You have things knowing that kids want to get up and be mobile. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll have a kid play area that people will be able to go and let their kids run off a little bit of steam uh, in. We have family experiences together where um, people will actually walk through and do activities uh, with the Catholic home experience, uh, as well as pray together. So it's a very active and engaging experience. Um, their Catechesis of the Good Shepherd has a couple of atriums, so places where kids can be active, but also in a very... Um, relaxed and intentional sort of way. And then we've also planned some activities outside of the convention center um, at a local park with some organized youth games and family activities outside as well. And there are also some great attractions just in downtown Indianapolis within walking distance. So there's no shortage of things for families to do both at the Congress and then if they needed to get outside, outside of the walls of that as well. It's very tempting sometimes when we work on a project to say, okay, we've got to put all of this together. We know our goals. These are the things we want to accomplish. 
So I'm going to make sure we have this, that, or the other thing. And you could have reinvented the wheel on a lot of these things to say we need youth track, we need family track. Um, so what are we going to do? And and I love the way you've approached this. You said, well, why don't we just go to the experts and say, can you help us with this? And that's the beautiful thing about this Congress. It's the beautiful thing about the church that we partner Um why was that so important to you to partner with Franciscan University and their Steubenville Youth Conferences or Life Teen, Net Ministries, the Vietnamese Eucharistic Youth Movement, uh, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, and more? There is a moment and an opportunity here, Adam, in the church where so many people have been doing good work, but there's not often like this big umbrella that people can all come under to do the work together. And I think that's what the Eucharistic Congress presents to us is, yeah, why reinvent the wheel or try to become an expert in all of these areas when instead we could be integrators and bring these ministries together to collaborate and to work together to do what it is that they do best and really serving and ministering to youth and to families. We have those wonderful partners on our youth track. We've pulled together some incredible people on our family planning committee who are pulling all of the programming there together. And it's like that in multiple areas of the Congress where all of these apostolates are able to lend their expertise and their vision to the big vision of Eucharistic revival in the United States. And I think that if we didn't do that, this would not be as rich of an experience. It would actually be pretty myopic um, because it would all be through kind of a one note, one lens of how to approach these ministries. And instead, I think there's a really brilliant tapestry of ministry um, in the United States represented here where we're able to be the best we can be and really be all things to all people, which I think is an absolute gift and is only possible because of the diversity of ministry that exists in the church right now and the quality of ministry that exists in those areas. I'm thinking back to a season of life uh, when our kids were very young. They were not just toddlers, but they were in that, you know, gosh, a year. When, when you counted in months and not in years when you said how old your kid was. And I, I think about all that went into that. Um, I'll never forget a family vacation we went on. I said, forget the diaper bag. I'm bringing, I went to the military surplus store and bought a tactical backpack. And they all said, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Until that emergency diaper change happened and I knew right where everything was the, the wipes the diapers the spare outfit the grocery bag for the old outfit that needed to be taken back and washed um, and we were planned we were prepared and I remember Joel in that season of life that one of the things that we often took into account when we went somewhere was okay we're going to need to feed the kids, especially if we had a nursing child. Um, we're going to need to be able to do diaper changes and potentially outfit changes, or we're going to need a quiet place, you know, not silent, but quiet enough that maybe if they fall asleep, we can go, something like that. And I'm sure that's a consideration that families are going to take into account, too. Like, if, if we go, how are we going to do this, especially if we have those kids that we're counting their age in months, not years, and we have the diaper bag and the bottle and all of these things we have to take into account. Yeah. And I'm living that right now. We've got a hey, uh, 17 month old, so still counting in months rather than years. And there are some big considerations there. And we've thought through some of those things as well. Again, to make this an event that is accessible for families, all of our family activities are really um, spread out over the second floor of the Indiana Convention Center, where we placed a lot of the amenities that families are looking for. So those catechesis of the Good Shepherd atriums are on the second floor. That family experience is on the second floor. But we also have a Nido room, which is sponsored by the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, which is a large, quiet, calm nursing area. There are a couple areas set up just as quiet spaces for kids. Um, we have a dedicated first aid station also on that second floor just for families. So, of course, at any conference like this, there will be multiple first aid stations throughout the conference. But 
just to ensure that families have quick access as families may have some unique needs. We'll have a first aid station dedicated specifically to them um, on that second floor of the Indiana Convention Center, which also has a walk, a couple different walkway connections directly to hotels. So we've thought through what are families going to need as far as resources, nursing rooms, quiet areas, access to first aid quickly. And we put those things all in one spot where families can, one, keep everybody together and, and know where they're at, and two, have access to the things that are going to help this Congress really be an impactful experience and a practical experience. We may not admit it in the moment, but I think more parents than we uh, realize have all shared a story at one point or another. Have I told you about the time that I lost my kid? Um, you know, we were, we were joking around with some friends the other week that, you know, my wife had all the kids and, and they were out and they were in a contained place where they do, they, they realize it happens because it's made for young kids. And she said, all right, everybody line up. We're going outside to this part of the place and all of the kids started to go and one kid got distracted and they got outside and my wife turned around and said, one, two, three, four, wait, where's, where's number five and rushed back into the building. And number five, luckily was with a worker. She was in tears. You left me, you left me. It's like, no, we were all going outside. You stopped and happy reunion. They got together and, and, and there was a great comfort knowing that at the place that she had taken the kids, they're prepared if something like that happens. It's part of why she would go there. And that was one of the things you were talking about in this press conference as well is, you know, that's a consideration when you have little kids. What's going to happen if one of them gets distracted and wanders off or if we get distracted and one wanders off? We don't like to think about these things, but especially with this prospect of tens of thousands of people coming together, that can get really scary really fast. Yeah. And I think part of what on a broad scale that we're doing, it's funny, you know, as you mentioned, because I'm like, I'm thinking about the Phoenix Zoo when my son wandered off. And so everybody does have that story. And again, as parents and parents planning this, we're thinking through those pieces as well. So on a broad scale, there's going to be very good security at this event. One of the focuses we've really had and where we've invested and we tried to be good stewards of our finances and investing here is in security and making sure that the facilities that we're in are secure, that we have trained security personnel who are on the lookout for kids that are unattended, kids that maybe look lost. And then we have volunteer crews that are specifically trained to that. They'll be on that second floor and then scattered throughout the Indiana Convention Center and Lucas Oil Stadium. But a crew of people whose job is to look out for children who are separated from mom and dad or get lost in the crowd and then are able to go through as we've designed security protocols for that situation and thought through it, how we'll be able to connect those kids back with their mom and dad should somebody get separated in the course of the conference where we can do that quickly and practically. I'll never forget the first time we went on a family vacation and our son was about, no. Oh, 16 months old. And my sister-in-law said, Hey, we're, we're out running errands. Meet us over here at the pet store. And we're like, we don't have a pet. Why are we going to the pet store? And she said, all right, what phone number do you want if he gets separated? And we said, well, we'd want this phone number, but like, what are you doing? Buying a collar for him, like a dog. And she said, no, you just buy one of these tags that you would put on a collar and you put it on his shoe because he's going to have a shoe. I thought, Oh, Wow, I never would have thought of that. So there you go. A little a little tip as well. If you're taking your kids on vacation this summer or to the National Eucharistic Congress, you can, you can put a little dog tag on the shoe. There's lots of great resources out there to help with that. But it's so comforting to know, Joel, that you and the team have taken that into account and are really approaching this with that family-oriented attitude of how do we make this a great experience for families. I think every time we've talked about the Congress, there are a couple themes that come up. Once in a lifetime is the first for me. 
This has never happened in my lifetime. There have been regional Eucharistic Congresses. We've even had an international Eucharistic Congress. But this is the first time in 80 years, if I remember correctly, that we're having a national Eucharistic Congress. It's the kind of thing, I I don't want to just go by myself or with my wife. I want to bring the kids. I want to get there, which kind of gets into our last thing. It does cost money to go to a Eucharistic Congress, and there's no getting around that. To to have these wonderful opportunities, to have these spaces, uh, it takes money. But are we looking at that as an investment in our faith, or are we looking at that as a vacation expense? Are we looking at it as both? Either way, um, you know, I have to say, in everything you've released, this has been a very price-conscious event. I was expecting the numbers to be a lot higher when I was looking at the registration costs than they are. And I was wondering if you could share what some of those options are for families. Yeah. So we're very excited to, again, we've tried to do our best to be good stewards of the finances that we've been given through sponsorships, through benefactors, and ultimately through ticket sales to make this accessible to families um, who this is not just an investment of money. It's an investment of time and energy, bringing people to something like this. And it does replace for many families a vacation. So uh, it is maybe choosing between a Disneyland or a Legoland and the National Eucharistic Congress. I think the difference though, is the investment of this is that you're putting your family, I'm going to put my family, you're going to put your family into a situation where there is a spiritual power at play here beyond just, wow, what a cool experience. Like the Lord is going to show up. Our kids are going to be privileged to that encounter with the Holy Spirit in the National Eucharistic Congress. And they're going to see a really incredible witness of 65,000 people, Catholics, people who believe what we believe, um, together worshiping our God. That's something that sticks with a young person. I mean, that's something that sticks with an adult. Um, so I think there is an investment there in the faith of our families. And for pricing, you know, for adults, a five-day pass is $299 for an adult. Um, for a teenager, it's $250. But if you have kids who are under 12, 12 and under, they're free. So if you've got several littles, uh, they're all coming along with you. So my kids at the time of the Congress will be 10, 9, and two and a half years old. They're all free admission to the Congress. So 12 and under, they get in free. Um, with mom or dad on a five-day pass. And we recognize for some families, five days might also be like, ah, five days in a hotel. That's a long time away from home. We've got other things going on. We've launched day pass options as well. And you can find information about that on our website because each day has a little bit of a different price structure because each day looks a little bit different. But you can come for Wednesday evening, Thursday, Friday, or get a weekend pass, which includes Saturday and then Sunday morning, which is the big closing mass. And again, on those day passes, there's tiered pricings for adults and kids, um, teenagers, but kids are still free 12 and under. So there's a lot of ways for families to come either for five days, or if you're local in the area, you want to make an overnight trip just for one or two days, the experience either way is going to be profoundly impactful for your family and really change the trajectory, I think, of faith in people's homes. I'm thinking of this uh, similar to a little town in another part of Indiana called Santa Claus, Indiana. It's home to a uh, theme park that a lot of our friends have gone to. And I said, so how do you do this when you go? And they say, "We listen, we go for two days. We drive out the first morning. We do the day at the theme park. We spend the night. We do another day at the theme park. And we leave a little earlier that day to drive home. It's very doable. And it, this is a comparable thing to talk about driving from, you know, I live in St. Louis. Most of our listening area is in eastern Missouri, central, southern Illinois. And we're talking about roughly the same thing. It's, it's about a four hour drive from where I'm at to get to Indy, that would be very doable if I wasn't going for the full Congress to go maybe one morning, get there, do the day pass, stay in a hotel that night, do the next day, and then drive home and just 
be prepared to be a road trip warrior on that. Plus, kids sleep. If you if you time it right, they'll sleep in the van, and then you don't have to deal with, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, we're not there, but we're going to get there soon. Because um, you want to you start off your time at the Congress on a happy note, not on a, would you just be quiet or I'll turn this van around? Um, but Joel, that's the last thing I want to get to here. People are saying, okay, well, if I register, is there a place to stay? Because we are talking about tens of thousands of people. The good news is Indianapolis is a great convention city in terms of logistics. And last update you gave us, if I remember correctly, there still are places to book rooms, are there not? There are. There certainly are. So if you are a youth minister listening to this and you want to bring a youth group, we have a travel agency that actually works with World Youth Day youth group trips uh, called JMJ Travel. You can find information about that on our website. They will help organize uh, housing and places to stay for you. So if you are a youth minister or you have a teenager who'd like to go to this with their youth group, you need to check them out. For families, there are hotels uh, actually very reasonably priced and just 15, 20 minutes away from Indiana Convention Center. We have 90% of the parking downtown reserved for this event. So it'll be easy to find parking downtown as well as you come in and commute in and out um, for some very nice hotels that are even close to the airport. So if you're flying in, you'll be able to get uh, something something close to there. But yeah, there's still this hotel space in uh, Indianapolis. So uh, people can come and check that out. And then of course, there's lots of other options as well. Verbos, Airbnbs, which for some families may be a great option to actually have a house to stay in over the course of those couple of days and just drive back and forth uh, where there will be plenty of parking downtown uh, for people who are coming in. All right. So then where do we go to register our family? Where do we go? By the way, I I, I looked at this yesterday. You can also register your parking in advance. You can take care of that in advance, Joel. And that that is fantastic. I I love that. That's the kind of dad I am. Uh, But where can we go to get signed up? And uh, how much time do we have to make this decision? Yeah, go to eucharisticcongress.org. There are still passes available and you can purchase them through the website. As Adam said, you can get your parking pass there. Um, There's information about hotels there as well. Um, And you want to do that, I think, soon because while we still have space now, we really do anticipate with our day passes and the discounts we're offering to families, spaces to fill up pretty quickly. So I would recommend folks get those passes by March just to be sure that you're going to be able to attend this historic event with us. All right. Well, Joel, we are very much looking forward to our time at the National Eucharistic Congress. We're looking forward to the pilgrimage coming through our listening area, and we're grateful for the time you spent with us today talking about what's out there for families. Now, if you're listening and you're saying, well, you know, that's all great for families, but I don't have a family. There are other tracks, and you need to check those out as well. It's all on the Eucharistic Congress's website. Um, I know some of the folks that are going in the same group I'm traveling with, we've all been having those conversations. All right, what are you signing up for? with the intention of every day, we're going to have ourselves a little small group of, all right, here's what I heard in my track. Oh, here's what I heard in my track. Here's here's what I learned today. And then we're going to come together for those evening keynote sessions in Lucas Oil Stadium. And, you know, praise God, I think this is going to be just an outpouring of grace on our nation and on everyone gathered there together. Um, Joel Stepanek, thank you so much for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. Thank you, Adam. It's good to be with you. The Memorari to St. Joseph for the Sanctification of Families. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored thy help and sought thy intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in thy power, I fly unto thee and beg thy protection of families. Despise not, O guardian of the Redeemer, my humble prayer, but in thy bounty hear and answer me. Amen. Here we are on a Monday with a new week of our Daily Dose of Encouragement with Patty Schneier and a new topic. And Patty, what is on deck this week? 
Well, this week I want to talk about tithing. My husband and I began tithing over 20 years ago when money was actually very tight for us, when we were strapped to afford Catholic education for our kids, when we did not have money for vacation, and there were some very common things that we just couldn't afford. But I remember listening to a talk by Scott Hahn about tithing, and he challenged us greatly that tithing was essential in order to live authentically what we professed that the Lord is truly Lord of our home, our marriage, our family, everything in our lives. Tithing is one way, and it's just one way, but it's a very important way to tangibly put God first and to trust that he will provide all that we need. It is a leap of faith. But then I remember Scott Hahn basically telling us that God will not be outdone in generosity. He encouraged us to keep our eyes and our ears open to watch and see how God will actually lavish us. So 20 years later, I am living proof that tithing has been a blessing in our lives. We have learned so much about God's provision, his lavish love, and his generosity. So today, I just want to cover the basics, and then the rest of the week, I'm going to share some tithing stories. So the first basic is, what is it? What does it mean to tithe? Well, tithe literally means a tenth, one tenth. So tithing is the practice of giving one-tenth of your annual income to God. It's your first fruits, so to speak, recognizing that all you have comes from God, and in gratitude, you desire to give that first tenth back to Him to help build His kingdom here on earth, to care for His church, and to provide for the least of our brothers and sisters as the face of Christ in our midst. So traditionally, it is recommended that 5% go to your own parish to provide for the financial needs of your parish priest, parish staff, the grounds, perhaps the school, the buildings, maintenance, and all the programs that are involved in running a parish. The other 5% traditionally is recommended to go to other charitable organizations, ministries, religious orders, missions, or causes that bring the love of God to the world. So today, I just want you to be open this week, just open about praying about tithing. Pray to be generous. Maybe take an inventory and find out what would 10% of my income look like as a weekly contribution to my parish and other organizations? Am I anywhere close to that in my annual giving? Let's at least be aware and pray to take some tiny steps this week toward tithing. If in reality, you just give maybe 2%, 3%, 4%, well, maybe make it 3 4 5 or 6% this next year, and then increase it until you get to that 10%. Let's just keep taking tiny steps. That's the encouragement for today, and then the rest of the week, we're going to unpack some stories, some beautiful stories about God's generosity, because remember, He cannot be outdone in generosity, and tithing is just one way to show our gratitude. I love that we are called not just to tithe to one place, but really in a way to diversify that, to give so much percentage to our parish and so much to other things because of the joy of the invitation to give to some of those other things and then to be able to say, wow, God allowed me to participate in 
helping these sisters or or these priests or, or whoever it may be. And it's really that joy that you're talking about and not being outdone in generosity. I look forward to this week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. All weekend long, I have been reflecting on a document that was released last week. I told you about it. Disciples make disciples. I've read through it a couple times now, and I've been asking myself some questions. I've been taking down some notes just to go back to my parish and say, Father, I've been reflecting on this, and I just wanted to, to share some thoughts to ask, how can I get involved? And, you know, in the document, there is on page nine, a list of three questions that the questions that permeate today's world and the document says these questions are profound why should i have faith in god how does believing in jesus christ make a difference in my life do these ancient teachings have any relevance in a modern evolving society these are questions that a lot of people in our world today ask and over the weekend one of the things i i kept reflecting on adam how would you answer those questions if you were sharing with someone? You know, how would you are you have faith in God? How would you articulate why? You believe that believing in Jesus Christ. You know that believing in Jesus is making a difference in your life. So Adam, how would you articulate that if someone asked? And finally, how are you experiencing Adam, I'm asking myself these questions. How are you experiencing the relevance of these quote-unquote ancient teachings living in a modern, evolving society? Because I am. And it's one of those things that, you know, we think about it, we think about it, but do we practice our answers? You know, maybe write it down. Maybe journal about it. Maybe write a letter. Because at some point I know if I haven't already, I'm going to have another, I'm going to have a first or another conversation with my kids about why I have faith in God, why believing in Jesus is making a difference in my life and how that's happening and how the teachings of the church are having a lot of relevance in my life and why I choose to believe and why I choose to follow. So if you're saying to yourself, well, you know, I I think that's all well and good, but I don't know where to begin with that. You know, read the document, Disciples Make Disciples. It's available at theway.archstl.com. Start asking yourselves these questions. How would you articulate the answers to these questions creatively and effectively with demonstrated faith in how God is bringing meaning, purpose, and hope and his teachings are transformative and really are the path to fulfillment and harmony? You know, we're made to be in communion with God. We mess that up with sin. So what are we going to do? Well, if the answer isn't starting at responding to his invitation, responding to his daily call to conversion and saying, Lord, help me to do your will. Help me to know. Help me to have the grace. Starting in prayer, but then putting all of this into action. You know, I I don't know what the answer is then, but I, I have a lot of faith that that's the answer right there. So do your homework this week. Articulate um, how you would answer those questions. I want to give a shout out to all of the parents who probably by now at this point at 755 have dropped their kids off at Catholic schools during this Catholic school week. It's a great week to talk with your kids about why our Catholic identity in our schools is important. Why do we make the sacrifices we make to send them to Catholic schools? And I especially want to give 
give a shout out and a huge thank you to all of our teachers who work so tirelessly day in and day out, our administrators and all of the staff. I got to spend some time with the uh, team at our kids' school yesterday for Open House, and the love they have for our students is just so often on display, and yesterday even more so. So uh, thank you to them. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great Monday. Enjoy the week. Have a holy week. Become a saint. Don't do anything that would stop you in that goal. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.